0: Welcome to History Makers. I'm your host, Matt Prater. Today we've got Bill Hybels from Willow Creek Church in America interviewing Bono from U2. Where everyone is created equal under the eyes of God. Bono is one of the most famous rock stars, but he also uses his celebrity to reach out to the poor with the Make Poverty History campaign. Here's Bill Hibbles and Bono from U2.
1: This has been quite a year for you. A lot of things have happened in your life. You spoke at the U.S. presidential prayer breakfast, and you won two Grammys, and you had this amazing rock concert tour. You were Time Magazine's Person of the Year, along with Bill and Melinda Gates. And I was just wondering, of all of this stuff that's happened to you, uh, which was most satisfying?
0: Well, selfishly, uh, I would say to you that uh, music is my first love, and, uh, which is outside of my family. You know, to wake up in the morning with a melody in my head is, is a great gift and then to follow through on that melody and find words for that melody and then, you know, hear it on a radio in Tokyo or Birmingham, Alabama, or, you know, London. This is a great thrill for me. That's my gift. I thank God for my gift, and I thank God it's still there. Um, But last year was also very important uh, to me in terms of service and in terms of the other reason to get out of bed in the morning, which is, you know, uh, the work we're doing on the one campaign. This has been really extraordinary. You see, the poor uh, and the most vulnerable in this world, um, they have representatives in the great capitals, but they are often not treated with the respect of other interest groups. Um, We're sort of down the food chain. And we believe that that's wrong, and we want to represent the poor and the most vulnerable, with um, without coming with our heads bowed and cowed, and you know, looking for the crumbs from the table. We believe that the the poor deserve an honourable place at the table. They deserve the head at the table. Is how um, God would see things.
1: The real spiritual activity that began in you in an accelerated way came through your involvement in a kind of youth group that you and a couple of the other members of the band uh, got involved in and you started studying the scriptures and you really got into it quite a bit in those days. I I, I never had any problems with Christ
0: but uh, Christians were always a bit of a problem for me. I found them always to be completely disinterested culturally, politically. I found it very hard to relax with them. They seemed strange to me. I'm sure I was strange to them. But Christians can be very judgmental, and particularly the way people look. They tend to judge people by surface problems, uh, sexual immorality. These things are the preoccupation historically of the church whereas, you know, corporate greed or things like that will be never mentioned. I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, the universe operates by the laws of of karma, essentially, and uh, all physical laws do, and, um, you know, what you put out comes back against you, you know, then enters the story of grace, which really uh, is the story of Christ and which turned this this view of the universe upside down. And it's completely counterintuitive. Um, I mean, very, very hard for human beings to grasp grace. We can actually grasp atonement, revenge, fairness. All of this we can grasp. But we don't grasp grace very well.
1: I'm much more interested in grace because I'm really depending on it. (laughs) At some point you decided, I think, God is heading me toward a career in rock music, but you didn't want to cut off the uh, faith stream that was important to you. Did you just live in the tension? Did how did you resolve probably, that? You're probably right. Uh,
0: lived in the tension. I always thought smack in the middle of a contradiction was a good place to be. <laughs> you know, duality is the mark of a lot of great art. Uh, it's one of the things missing from a lot of, for instance, Christian art, because there's no tension. In uh, you have this great tradition in, in, in uh, of worship and music worship, which is you know awe-inspiring in the Christian churches. But music that expresses a personal journey and an attempt to wrestle truth to the ground, we don't see much of that come out of Christianity. There's a fear of duality, um, so one half. You have this part of us which is going, you know, yeah, I want to put this music. I want this music to do something um, positive, you know, in a very negative world. But on the other hand, you know, you want to be honest um, and own up to your earthly desires and your confusions that everybody, everybody has. The, The the key, the great art has in common um, with Christianity is that, you know, know the truth and the truth will set you free. I've held on to that very tightly. That's how I start my day as a writer. So if I start on a lie, and a lie can be being the person that you like to be rather than the person you are. Uh, A lot of gospel music for me is lies because there are people pretending this is everything is great and it doesn't ring true to other people now I accept it's a step of faith but I, I don't relate to that I relate more to the blues the blues is more like the Psalms of David you know where are you when I needed you you know call
1: yourself God I'm interested in that kind of music let's talk about something that happened to you in 1985 I mean you were already well en route to becoming you know one of the most famous musicians in the world And you took time out, you and your wife, and you went to Ethiopia with World Vision, as I recall. Why did you go to Africa? What was your motivation? What happened to you when you were there? Well, I I was a part of the Live Aid. um, The first Live Aid
0: was in 1985. And so Live Aid was was organized to try and raise money to pay for food for people in Ethiopia and, and relief. So this really rang every uh, bell uh, inside my head. And as a result, myself and my very young wife went off to Ethiopia, and we worked there for a while in, in, in an orphanage, just, again, just under the wire, no cameras, just to try and figure out what was happening. This was a different kind of poverty. This was this was people of great dignity. Um, reduced to begging for food and uh, Ethiopians are very royal people and a striking group and to see them with their heads shaved inside the camp or outside the camp to see them queuing up um, just to stay alive was something I I was never going to forget a women carrying three children older people had been left behind uh, on the journey and I, and I asked the question, that I'm sure so many people asked, which is, how could this be, you know, that in a world of plenty, people could be let starve to death? And, of course, as you grow up, you think, well, you know, that's just the way of the world. Well, yes, it is. That is the way of the world. But it is not the way the world has to be. And if that is the way of the world, we have to
1: overthrow the way of the world. So when you came back from that trip in 1985. How did that next era, let's say from 1985 to 1995, did that just stay dormant in you? Did it grow? How did, how did it take manifestation in your life from that point forward? Well, if I'm honest, um, I, and I'm trying to be,
0: I probably try to put it out of my head. Yeah. I, I remember saying to Ali on the way back, we, we will never forget this and and i remember her looking to me and going you know we will because that's to carry this with you every day is is you know it's too much but we were both clear that at some point we would be called upon to to revisit these questions that in truth were probably too big for our young minds so around about 98 i was ready to, to receive a phone call, which I did from Jamie Drummond, who now runs Data. He explained to me that though Live Aid had raised $250 million or something like that, and was, for all our efforts, Africa was spending, or re- returning, uh, in debt service payments to us in the West, about $250 um, million a month. And I, I was completely... Confounded by this i 've found it very difficult to accept. I said they 're paying us more than we 're giving them, and uh, so I s- started to study the economics of it, and I said, well, i thought well this is, this is nothing to do with charity. this is a justice issue and I became involved in the Jubilee movement, which was a very important movement in the late '90s and uh, the debt cancellation movement, based on a scriptural idea um, redemption. Redemption is an economic term. We forget
1: this. Sometime around that time, year 2000, from what I could tell, you shifted into a whole nother gear. It seemed like you had two full-time vocations. I mean, you were doing the rock music still, but every time I turned around, I saw you lobbying somebody. You were... Uh, making trips all around the world trying to gain the attention of prime ministers and leaders to the plight of the poor in Africa. And pastors. And and one night you showed up at Willow Creek Community Church 10 o'clock at night on a bus and uh, you wanted to meet with my wife and me and you came up to my office and you vision casted us. You know, you were saying... How come you churches are not getting on board with the greatest social crisis of our day? So something had to have happened in you to grip you as much as you were gripped to pay the price that you were paying to gain the attention of people for these causes. You know, it was like,
0: what else are you going to do with this thing called celebrity? I mean, it's ridiculous. It positively upends God order of, uh, God's order of things. You know, why is a, you know, why, why would a film star or a movie, you know, a, a rock star or a sports star, why, why would they be more important than a, a nurse or a fireman or a mother? I mean, it's, it's actually ridiculous. And, but, but, hey, it's currency. And I decided I was, was going to spend mine. People often say to me very kind things, you know, about, you know, you have a heart for the world's poor, these kinds of things, like I'm Mother Teresa or something. I am not Mother Teresa, Uh, I'm a rock and roll star, I'm living the life, but I have a head for the world's poor. I'm strategic, and um, we as an organization, Data and the One Company, we're smart about this stuff you have to be strategic. And, and I, you know, I started to realize that you know, what was in the way of getting this stuff done and, and that wishful thinking would not sort out the problem. I went to see a fellow in the Council on Foreign Relations and he said, I've got a list, he had a sore throat of the day. He said, I've got a list of people who can stop this from happening. He said, it's a long list. I said, he said, I, I hope you have having a busy schedule. And I said, well, I have a busy schedule, but I'll meet them. You name them, I'll meet them. And a lot of these people did not want to meet me. So I would have to, you know, I had to, I had to doorstep them. But I think, you know, now there's, there's some momentum behind it, the momentum of a movement, the momentum of people are waking up
1: to realize the world does not have to be the way it is, and we could actually change it. Now, how come church leaders, in your opinion, have been sort of late to the party on this? I mean, you've been trying to awaken the church, which seems ironic to me. We should be way ahead of the game on this. But, I mean, you came into my office and did everything but shake me down on this subject matter. And you've been trying to awaken the church for the last couple years. Why are we late to the deal? You know, the church has historically always been behind
0: the curve. It's amazing to me. And civil rights and, you know... Uh, fighting against the racism in the, in the 60s and the 50s in the south in the United States and the apartheid in Africa. I mean, you think, why is the church like this? I think it's because the church is afraid of politics. And I, and I understand why, because a lot of very dangerous people have tried to use the church for political ends. And I understand why the church would be a little, just hold on a second, But but we're not talking about politics in any partisan way here. We're working with the left and with the the right. That's what the whole one campaign's about. Second part of it is less palatable, perhaps, um, which is that the the, the church had been very judgmental about um, the AIDS virus in particular. You know, there was the sense of well, these people have been living sexually irresponsible lives, and it's very expensive to come to their to their assistance. And of course, that is not acceptable. Um, it's certainly not acceptable by God. It will not be acceptable in history. It's annoying, but it's like rather like uh, you know, so there's been a there's been a car crash, and the driver has fallen out of the of the vehicle, and there's a stink of alcohol. And you think, oh my God, as a drunk driver. Do you drive on? Do you, what do you do? Well, maybe there are other points of view that think, well, you had, you had it coming, I'm off home for my supper. But the scriptures won't let you do that. Christ won't let you do that. And Christ won't let the church walk away from the AIDS emergency because it's difficult, expensive, and you know, a moral hazard. That that's not acceptable, and and I just had to communicate that that this was the essence of the scriptures. It was the leprosy of our age, and then Christ, you you know, had been so eloquent um, about leprosy. I I think it was only six percent of evangelicals polled felt it incumbent upon them to respond to the AIDS emergency.
1: And what was your reaction when you read that statistic? I was very angry.
0: I was very angry. I was angry with the church. I never liked the church particularly. I never felt comfortable, really, in churches. Uh-huh. And now I knew why. It was my sort of thing, you know. And then something dreadful happened. The church started to, to wake up, <laughs> started to get organised, started to be really powerful in this area, and they ruined it for me. <laughs> now... I, I I'm total respect for the church. I can't give out about them anymore. And, uh, no, it, 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 that
1: was amazing. I mean, extraordinary things were happening. You have the opportunity right now to preach to pastors <laughs> and church leaders who are out in the congregation, and you're at the pulpit right now. I'm at the pulpit. And so you can preach at them any way you'd like to. So here's a free shot from Reverend Bono. Oh, I, I, think, I think they've
0: suffered enough <laughs> if they've sat through, and, and feel free to sleep. Um, well, I would say, people say there's no uh, clinics where they can get AIDS drugs to, to, to people. Well, I say, open the doors of your churches, make them clinics. I would say, please make your congregation aware of the one campaign your charity is important, but your desire for justice, we really need. We really need to march together. Let's put on the marching boots, if that's necessary, and, and stand up for the least of these. We're asking for your voice. And we're asking you to give permission to your leaders, whoever they be, left or right, president or prime minister, to spend what is, after all, your money, on these, the poorest of the poor, on fixing these problems that are fixable. And that's it. It's, you know, one.org. That's our website. Why have we amounted all this wealth and power if we can't go to the aid of our sisters and brothers? Maybe that's the mark of our generation. You you asked, was there a moment for me? I think there have been many moments. But one of them was a friend of mine, uh, is a very wise man, somebody I've grown up with, and uh, he just said to me, he said, stop asking God to bless what you're doing, Bono. He said, find out what God is doing, because it's already blessed. Thank you so much for joining us, History Makers. For more information, you can go to historymakersradio.com. You can download any of our interviews and also an opportunity for you to make
1: a donation. History Makers is brought to you by newhopeaustralia.org.au.